For a limited time at Sprint, get $50 for each new phone you lease when you switch. That's right. You'll get $50 for each new phone on a prepaid MasterCard issued by MetaBank member FDIC. Just register for the card online and you're good to go. Get a network built for unlimited and a great price at Sprint. It's the best of both worlds. And get $50 on a prepaid MasterCard for each phone you lease. Visit a Sprint store this weekend only for sizzling Sprint Saturday deals. Card terms, conditions, and expiration apply. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Passionpreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan C. Green. Welcome back to another episode of Passionpreneurs Podcast. This is Ryan C. Green, and I'm excited. This is the show where we help you turn your passions into profitable enterprises. And if you missed any of our last episodes, you can always catch up at www.thepassionpreneurs.com. So I want to thank you for tuning in again. If you want more information, you can go to the website as well. Join us every week uh, right here at the uh, passionpreneurs.com. Make sure you join the email list and follow us on social media. Then you can also go over to www.ryancgreen, that's green with the e.com, for more tools and resources and follow us on Facebook at I am Raji Page or on Twitter at I am Raji. I'm excited about another episode of the Passionpreneurs Podcast. This is the show, again, where we teach you how to turn your passions into profitable enterprises and uh, we have some great guests tonight, a uh, tag team, a duo, uh, that's going to really uh, help us uh, go through some uh, some tips on how to uh, really go in and pursue that passion. So tonight's uh, discussion, tonight we're going to talk about uh, redistributing your talents. We're going to talk about uh, redistributing your talents. And what I mean by that, and again, this is another chapter from the forthcoming book, uh, Becoming a Passionpreneur, uh, 31 Ways to Reignite Your Fire. In your life, you know, how do you uh, get those? How do you get that passion back? How do you pursue a life of passion that you're excited about? Uh, you know, when you hit a wall or a dry spell, uh, sometimes you have to redistribute your talents. And what do I mean by that? I'm gonna give you six uh, ways and six areas uh, where you can redistribute your talent. What I mean by that is is taking what you do, taking who you are, and what you're good at doing. And sometimes you have to take it somewhere else. Sometimes you have to start doing something different uh, and getting yourself into different circles, getting yourself around different opportunities in order to rekindle that passion, to reignite that fire. Uh, so we're going to talk about six different things. In the first area, I'll talk about uh, redistributing your talents is, is is using your hands. Sometimes you redistribute where you put your hands. You put in work elsewhere. Uh, the hands are how we build. That's what we do use to create. And maybe you've been in a situation, you've been doing something for so long, uh, you've been creating, and, and you've lost that fire, you've lost that juice. Uh, sometimes you know you need to redistribute and take those hands and put them to work elsewhere. Uh, if you're a builder, and maybe you're not, you, you know, you're building one kind of product, product, and you want to go and, and 
find something else that you're more excited about and redistribute in that. If you work at a computer all day and you're typing all day and you're doing, uh, you know, you're sitting at the cubicle nation, uh, but you really want to be home uh, knitting Afghans, <laughs> you know, you want to take those hands and put them to work elsewhere, uh, and that could help you. Uh, second is is your eyes. How can you redistribute uh, your eyes? You know, take your vision. Eyes are used for vision. Uh, some of us have vision that we're in that we're using or being mis misused at an opportunity that isn't um, um, you know maximizing our potential, isn't maximizing our vision. So you might have to take your vision elsewhere. Maybe you have to move to a different organization uh, because what you see and what you uh, uh, think is possible for that organization. Those who are there don't necessarily see it or aren't appreciating that. So you have to take that vision with you and, and go somewhere else. Uh, and then there's, there's ears. I'm going to talk about ears. You know, the ear, we, we let things into our ears. So sometimes you have to, uh, for this example, I'm going to use the ear as motivation. Who is inspiring you? Who is motivating you? What is uh, getting into your spirit and your mind through your listening? Uh, so sometimes you have to get motivation from somewhere else. Uh, those who are familiar with church, a lot of times people end up changing churches because uh, the message just doesn't reach them anymore. Or maybe you're listening to uh, too much uh, of one kind of radio or music and the pop 40 stations, and you want to uh, change your ears and start listening to an NPR or a talk radio station, and that could reignite you because now you're listening to people who are, are thinking differently. You know, I listen to books on audio all the time uh, because – there's always something positive I can get from that. There's always some way I can grow through uh, those books and through those lessons that are, that are what I let in my ears. All right? So uh, next, if you see a theme here, you know, I'm going through the senses. The next sense we're talking about is mouth. Uh, how can we redistribute our mouth? How can we uh, use our voice elsewhere? Uh, have you ever felt like you're just talking to a wall sometimes? If you're in a job where your voice isn't being heard or if you're, uh, in a community and your voice isn't being heard, how can you uh, shift to make that uh, uh, your voice be heard? Where can you go? And maybe you have to go to a new organization or go to a different position or find a new group uh, to really uh, have people who want to listen and hear what you have to say and get your fire going again. Uh, you know, if you're sitting there constantly, uh, if you're a teacher, I'll use that example. If you're a teacher and, and you're constantly uh, teaching kids who uh, maybe not want to listen or maybe aren't uh, quite grasping what you're saying or you're not relating to them, uh, perhaps there's, it's time for you to go to a different grade. <laughs> maybe you need to teach a different subject or teach a different grade or uh, a different kind of audience. Uh, so sometimes our mouth, uh, it, we, we can reignite our passions and reignite our fire by simply shifting our audience uh, whom we're speaking with, all right? And then it smell. Now, this is going to be a little stretch, but I couldn't leave smell out. <laughs> sometimes you have to sniff opportunity elsewhere. Uh, you know, sometimes we get so stuck in a rut and so stuck in our mundane lives and, and the way things have always been that we're afraid to try anything different. Uh, so, you know, we may uh, want to do something different, but we're afraid to go after it. We're afraid to really uh, jump in. Uh, so sometimes if you want to reignite that fire, you can't be afraid uh, to sniff that that opportunity, sniff those new opportunities. I'm, I'm reminded of the movie Life where uh, Martin Lawrence's character was uh, sniffing that cherry pie, and he could no longer take it. He had to run. He ran and tried to get that pie out that window, even if uh, death was going to meet him there. 
Uh, sometimes you have to just decide, you know what, I'm going to be excited. I'm going to run after that cherry pie uh, then, and, and just do it. So, so far we have uh, your hands, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your smell. And then I'm going to add one more bonus is your mind. Uh, sometimes you have to redistribute your, the talents of your mind and take your genius elsewhere. You know, if you're in an organization, if you're in a group, if you're in a job where you're not being appreciated, uh, where you're constantly being overlooked for uh, promotions, where you're constantly being stepped over and talked over uh, during meetings, uh, people just don't seem to get you, then sometimes you have to take that elsewhere. Take your genius elsewhere where someone will uh, appreciate you, where you can uh, grow, where you can flourish, where your ideas can come to fruition, and you can get excited about life. You can get excited about work, excited about living, uh, and really going after what it is you are uh, passionate about doing. Uh, so I like to start each show, give you a little bit of something, but I really want to jump in uh, to our guests because these guests today uh, is a, a brother tandem who are professionals, uh, nine-to-five professionals, but they have redistributed their talents and they have, have, have delved into a new arena and are having some tremendous, tremendous success so I want to welcome to the Passion for Noah's tag team of Brian and Paul Johnson. Welcome to the show, fellas. Hey, Ryan. What's happening? Hey, Ryan. How you doing? All right. Great, great, great. I'm just glad to have you both on here. Now, um, Brian, you know, this is this is different. For those who don't know, the Ryan and Brian show, for the last uh, three years we did the show, I, the Brian that you're listening to, Brian Johnson, was the co-host with me on that show, and now he's a guest. So, Ryan, this is a joy being able to interview you. And Paul, I'm glad you. I'm glad you. Appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Absolutely, no problem, no problem. And uh, Paul, I think um, Brian said that your probation officer said you can only be on the phone for about 15 minutes. So right, 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 right. I want to thank you for that as well. Right, right, absolutely. I can't be that close to Victoria's Secret as well, so I stay away from them all. But thank you for having me, man. I, I think that's a great introduction. Wonderful, man. So let's say, let's talk about uh, what you guys are doing because you guys have taken the publishing industry by storm. I'm so excited about your project. You know, I've talked a lot with Brian along this process that you guys have gone through, and, and I, I'm excited about what you guys have done. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners uh, about your new project? Either one, you can jump in. I, I guess I guess I'll start. Yeah. So um, so. We've we've basically written a novel, uh, which we which we call a uh, a, a IX novel or interactive experience novel, uh, that is one part novel, uh, one part soundtrack, one part movie. So we were able to bring all of these different kind of media together uh, <clears throat> in in a novel format, but it has these special features uh, to it, and it so it combines a really compelling. Story uh, with with a lot of this multimedia. Uh, I, people have compared it to Empire, like a like the the television show Empire, where they where they have you know the stories and they have the music. Uh, our book is um, you know has has a story with music. Uh, I feel like our story our story is a bit more compelling. But as an Empire fan, I know that I can enjoy both. So uh, so that that's really kind of kind of the the uh, the project at a high level. Great. Now, you you guys, uh, Paul, why don't you give us um, a quick uh, synopsis of what the plot is, what the story is, and then tell us about um, the music aspect to it as well. Um, the story is about a guy by the name of uh, Sal Stein that, Sal Stein that is actually an up-and-coming uh, 
rapper that starts to get courted by a record label, um, they take interest in what he's doing. And as he goes through um, being courted by them, he starts to see that some things aren't always what they seem. So um, he starts to get clues and such about kind of the record company and what's going on, and he starts to kind of delve into those things. Uh, he starts out a journey with him and his manager, and it evolves from there. Um, how did I nail that? Was that all right? <laughs> did a great job. Did a great job. Now, uh, you never want to give too much of the story away. There's a lot of twists and turns and things that go on, and I get so excited about the project um, that sometimes I got to kind of give a little bit too much of the story away. So, um, yeah, so I think that thing well, that's a good introduction. That, that 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 was excellent. Now, tell us about the music because that you know that was what I heard before I even started reading some of the book, um, the songs and the, the production because it's about you said music industry. Um, but why was it so like you guys have put together this book? It has a soundtrack. It's interactive. I mean, as you're reading the book, you have links that you can sit there and listen to the songs and really um, jump in, put yourself into the story. Um, so when you deal, deal with the music and books, what was your background, both of you? I mean, did you have a music background? Did, have either of you written books before? How, how was it jumping into this arena? Uh, we actually, um, as as younger kids, we had a couple of rap groups that we uh, were part of, and then I actually uh, submitted a lot of music for the music industry. The rap group was, uh, uh, we started out as a group called 5A Square, which is a shout-out to uh, our hometown Ann Arbor, uh, and then later on became Lake Water, which was a, a, a nod to our neighborhood, uh, Pine Lake, which is in Ann Arbor. Um, I wouldn't, uh, by the way, Brian played the cello. <laughs> I don't know if that contributed to the whole hip hop thing. I, I was, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> he was the first hip hop cellist, if you will. Look. No, but uh, we've always been. Brian played the um, cello and the string bass for most of the time. Now I, <laughs> we've always been we've always been fans of hip hop. As a matter of fact, I started writing music because Brian. Uh, would listen to uh, Boogie Down Productions and write down all of the lyrics to uh, KRS One. And correct me if I if I'm saying this wrong, Brian. Um, and then he started to then uh, write his own lyrics. And then I got kind of into music because I pretty much did what my older brother did, and that's what got us into music. We wanted to add. Uh, originally, the book was not going to be a book. We wanted to actually do a movie, but once we figured out that we didn't know how to do a screenplay, we decided to write the book. Uh, and then to have this convergence of media, the the music with the with the actual uh, literature was a great way to kind of expand the the reading experience and give you another dimension to these characters without being an audio book. So that's kind of the idea behind adding the music. And we needed that extra something to make it a little bit more interesting. Um, plus, I always wanted to be a rapper. So I was like, hey, man, this is my chance to do it. No, actually. Now, Brian, take us to, um, you know, your, your side of this. You're sitting at work one day. When do you guys decide we're going to write a book? Actually, like Paul said, we, we, we didn't initially want to write a book. I mean, um, for the first thing that, that happened, it just started as an idea. So, um, so you know, Ryan, you're humble, so I'm, I'm sure you don't say this much, but you definitely have 
uh, are mentioned in the acknowledgments of the book. Uh, it started with a with an email from you uh, where you said uh, you said to me, Brian, you know, do you uh, have you heard about this Illuminati and hip hop thing? And I'd heard a little bit about it, um, but not a whole lot. And I thought it was dumb initially. I'm like, man, whatever. You know, I can't even see Jay-Z and Rihanna and these people being involved in some secret society. And, you know, Paul didn't really talk about it, but that, but, but a lot of the book examines um, examines that. So uh, so initially, uh, I'm like, nah, I'm, you know, I'm not really, I don't think it's, it's, there's anything to it. But you said, you know what, I know you, you'll, you'll think something of it. Uh, or you'll you'll look at some things and know something's there. So you said, I said, all right, send me a couple links. In in two weeks, I was paranoid. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, I'm seeing. You know, I'm, I know now. I know what to look for, and I see it all over television. And I and and I and I, I like legitimately got paranoid. And um, and then after a while, I, I really had to think to myself, like, you know what? I'm a Christian. I'm you know if. If there's some secret society or new world order that's coming, um, there's not a whole lot that I can do, and, and, and I feel like you know God's in control, so it's not something that I should worry about. So I kind of dismissed it, but then I was like, man, but you know what? What would if 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 it does exist? Like, how would the Illuminati or how would some secret society go and approach a uh, an artist? Would they even approach every artist? You know, maybe it's the 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 film pro- or the the video producer that that's part of the Illuminati. Maybe it's a record company. And and I, as I started asking these questions, it was like a very compelling story started to take shape. So at that point, I was like, man, you know, you talk about, you know, doing what you love. I absolutely love movies. You know, I can quote a lot of movies. I've seen a lot of movies. I watch a lot of international movies. You know, I'm really into a good story. And I was like, wow, this would make an incredible uh, movie, and I'm seeing like all the imagery and the and the um, the symbols and all these different things in the, in the movie, and um, and then like Paul said, you know, well at that point I called Paul. I'm like, yo, I have this great idea because we've done some businesses together, and we usually like to collaborate on stuff. And uh, and at that point I was like, let's make a movie. But since <laughs> we didn't know how to write a screenplay, but we were pretty decent writers. We both like messed around with writing novels. I know I started my first one like back in 1993 and Paul had tried to co-write some novels and stuff like that and just never finished them. Uh, we decided to go the route of, of doing a novel, uh, especially since, you know, we heard that you can't get, people typically don't get paid a whole lot off of their first screenplay, but, you know, a lot of people who write novels that get made into movies can make a lot of money off of you know the the uh, the rights to the um, to the characters and the story. So that's really it was kind of a roundabout way that we that we got to uh, to writing a novel, but it, it really seemed to be the the right um, the right uh, thing to do. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And you, you're talking about uh, you know an idea or a subject matter that you know you you were passionate about to some degree uh, enough to dedicate you know a year of your life to to create this product. Uh, with it now, Paul. Let me ask you. When Brian came to you about the subject matter, I mean, what were, were you already on board? Or were you kind of like, you know, okay, whatever? I mean, who were you? Well, first I had to tell him to take the aluminum foil off his head because he thought that he could read his mind. So he came over with like, you know, uh, actually, I I I was on board with the idea. I have a uh, a, a great belief in God, and my thing is that only God can allow anything to happen and what's bigger right. than God. 
So right. it was it was a compelling story. And as I, because we we literally looked through hours and hours of of uh, video and, and you know YouTube videos and and read literature about it because we wanted it to be authentic to people's beliefs. And the thing that happened was what typically happens in any relationship. And I think that our we have a certain relationship to our to our novel. Um, uh, because there's a certain level of commitment. But what happens in any relationship is if you go looking for something, you're going to find it, and it's going to pop up everywhere. So I think once that became my perception, then that, then that my perception then became my reality. And I had to always go back to my base, which was, you know, God, and, and wait a minute, like I, I know that he's all-powerful. So it was a great, it was a great discussion. We, we talked about it back and forth. And um, it, w- it was definitely a compelling story, and we never really took a position on it. Um, and I think that's the greatest thing about this whole um, New World Order and Illuminati. You don't, it's, it, it's so compelling, and so, so many people are so passionate and consider themselves to be experts on the subject based on the literature that's given to them. But then you get into you know, the, the story, and it's like, wait a minute, if if this is the new world order and they, why wouldn't they, wouldn't they just give us what they wanted us to see? And then we'd run with that. So it's a, it's a compelling story with no real answer. Uh, and my, my only answer was, was God is all glorious and all powerful. And that's the only thing that I needed to be concerned with. But the, but the story was really compelling. So I was on board, like, like most things that, uh, like most things that Brian approaches me with, uh, they're well thought out. And they're well researched, and uh, I, I typically tend to go with those. Wonderful. Now, uh, you know, you guys know, I'm sure some of the listeners know as well. Uh, you know, I've been writing and publishing since, uh, you know, for ten years. But I want to talk to you guys. I want you guys to give your your input, uh, your perspective rather, on you know, for those who listen who who have that desire to write a book, uh, who have that desire to tell their story, uh, you know, who who don't know necessarily how to start or that they even can do it and they don't have time in their mind. Both of you give your perspective on the process of actually being an author, uh, what that meant to you in your life and how you had to, how you were able to accomplish that process of becoming, writing this book in the midst of everything that you were already doing. Because neither of you quit what you were doing. You you made this happen. You you made this dream happen while you were still working your jobs, uh, supporting your families. Uh, you know, you, you didn't just go out and leave. So for those who feel like they don't have time and their lives are too busy, how did you guys both uh, make this book happen? So I think I think uh, my whole thing is having an accountability partner. If Brian would not had not teamed up with me, I probably would have never finished the book. It just so happened that my accountability par- partner was also uh, a co-author, and we had we I think we. We came to fisticuffs. No, <laughs> at one time it was like you have to try to outdo. I had to kind of try to outdo Brian, and Brian had to kind of try to outdo me. And um, the the thing that kind of helped the story move along was also the music component. And I had to find something that was in, enjoyable to me all the time. Uh, and, and music was that outlet. Um, another thing is really believing in your story. Um, really sitting down and trying to, and, it, and it, it helped us because we had such a wealth of research and a wealth of knowledge, uh, you know, on the subject. It almost lended itself, it almost wrote its own story. 
So, I mean, if you're doing anything that's dealing with history or, or your own personal um, stories, one of the things that really helped to compel, I mean, to push the process along was one, doing an outline of the story, and then two, actually having things that could kind of support your ideas. Um, and I think Brian talked a lot about, uh, you know, reading a lot and watching a lot of movies is how I actually, which actually helped me uh, through the writing process. Cool, good stuff. Brian? Brian's still there? Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I hear you. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, when, so when we first started, we um, we actually had, like, one day. Like, we would go one day a week to a coffee shop, and we would sit down and try to write, and that's when we did a lot of our outline. And we probably did that for about three or four weeks uh, where we got, like, a solid outline, just, like, one night uh, one night a week. And, it, and, you know, like, at the time, Paul didn't have kids. I had kids. I would do it kind of late after we put them down. My wife would, you know, hold down the fort. Uh, after that, it was, like, you know, just setting up a specific writing time, uh, which, which was one thing that worked for a while. So, you know, my, my writing hours were typically from, like, 12 a.m. to 2 a.m. in the morning. And uh, because that was the time that I had when, when things were quiet and I could actually sit down. And, and some of it was writing. Some of it was, like, you know, coming up with the, uh, like, designing the website and doing some of the other uh, components of the, um, you know, of the book launch. Uh, but then, so so I had a writing time. That was another thing. Uh, the third thing was, uh, was I actually bought a an iPad, and I got a um, I got a keyboard for it. And what I do is um, is when I take my kids to, like, dance practice or, or you know, gymnastics or whatever it was, I take that iPad with me. And when I had like, like, uh, like a few minutes where I'm waiting for them and dance or whatever, I'd actually uh, pull out that iPad and write little pieces of it. So it was almost like, you know, to your point, I had a full time job, but also a full time family. So it was like just fitting in, um, you know, fitting in some writing uh, in those minutes that I had uh, th- that that I could carve out and make it into priority. I think the other piece too was that um, that when you know I talked about having a book uh, or starting a book in the past, and, and back then the book was about these two guys who um, who went to different colleges and who uh, communicated via email because email was actually kind of a new thing. So that was like the hook, and uh, and then very quickly email was not a new thing anymore and it wasn't really a compelling story anymore so with this with this um this Illuminati, um, you know, uh, kind of the, the plot that, that had a, a, a very large portion of it that talked about the Illuminati, you know, part of it was like, I don't know how, how long that window is going to be open. So there was a sense of urgency to get the uh, the project finished uh, so that, you know, it, it would still be compelling when it was released. And then finally, you know, we did a lot of praying. You know, one thing that, that uh, uh, we went through a big period of writer's block um, and in the story was going one way and it was like you know when we couldn't write that much more you know we just spent some time praying just saying you know uh god can can you help help us find a way for this project to glorify you and we don't want to do it if it doesn't and once that happened you know a lot of a lot of that um you know just just you know my mind opened up quite a bit and this the story started flowing so those were those are some ways that um that not only were we able to fit it in but we had a sense of urgency and then a sense of purpose with it that that helped to propel it to completion and not, and not seeing it, it, it as such a task because for me um i think during the time that we were writing the book my, my mother died 
And a lot of that was really therapeutic. It was, you know, you're really able to escape your everyday life and mm-hmm. kind of concentrate on, you know, the the story at hand. And then you can actually, uh, we found ourselves interjecting parts of our life into the uh, into the actual uh, novel, uh, which makes the characters. I mean, every single character in the book is a is a either somebody that we know completely or a piece of that person, or ourselves. So it actually, if you don't see it as a task, and you almost see, I use it as a tool to kind of get through, um, e- even musically. I never I never wanted to be the character. Like, I never wanted to play one of the characters. I, I, I initially just wanted to write for somebody else, but I think that that character was an actual release for me because he's nothing like me. Uh, mm-hmm. So that, that kind of helped... Well, yeah, I think we actually just uh, lost Paul, but we we've got to close up anyway. But uh, I, that that character and that music, I mean, it were, that was what drew me in right away with listening to him do those songs. So, uh, Brian, uh, why don't you go ahead and give out the information? How can people get in touch with Paul and Brian? Uh, just schedule you guys for book signings. They can come and order the book themselves. Uh, give out all the information for us, please. Yeah, absolutely. You can actually go to uh, – we're, we're all over social media, so you can go to um, www.ixirotk, or, or um, that stands for uh, IXI Rise of the King, um, dot com. Uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash IXIROTK. Um, on our website, you can you know you can connect to our Pinterest page, which is pinterest.com slash IXIROTK. Um, but if you just go to our, our webpage again, you can you can get all of our contact information. Click contact us and and uh, and book us for events um, or buy the book. I'm sorry, the Illuminati the Illuminati kicked me off, so I'm back. Think they yeah, they kicked you off. We think we we out of time though. But listen, I and I, I didn't even mention it. You know, you guys' book was, I mean, number it, it was top seller, best seller on Amazon, several best sellers list. So you know, these guys aren't somebody who just put a book out. These guys are best selling authors uh, whose whose books were at the top of the list. Well, Brian, what was the two books you you want to list with? It was some big name. Uh, I remember the day we were looking at the list. Do you remember who was who was uh, either right in front of you, or right behind you? I forgot. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was Jay Z, um, Decoded, uh, Questlove, and Scarface were all. I think yeah. I think Fifty Cent was his. Uh, his 50, yeah, yeah, it was Fifty, and then it was Meek Mill right after us, wasn't it? On his debut. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Meek Mill after he after he got bodied by Drake, I think. <laughs> no, nah, that was when before he, was, he got bodied by Drake. That was okay. before Drake yeah, bodied. Hey, you, I, I got cut off, but did you? Part of the I don't know if Brian mentioned Cosby Media as well. But um, uh, they played a big part in 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 that as well. So I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention them. Good, cool, cool, good stuff. Well, listen, we are all out of time. I want to thank you all for listening uh, to the episode. Definitely go out and get the book. The website again is www.ixirotk.com. I want to thank you, Paul, and thank you, Brian. Wish you both all the success in the world. All right, thanks, man. Appreciate hey, thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Passion for Noise podcast, a production of Greenhouse Media. To listen to past episodes and to subscribe to our email list, visit www.thepassionpreneurs.com. I'm Ryan C. Green. Thanks for listening.